Welcome to the Peachtree Podcast. Peachtree Learning Center is a nonprofit in Middle Tennessee dedicated to training and discipling students in all the fine arts to become excellent and skilled in order to spread the kingdom of God into the world of the arts. On this podcast, we will discuss topics designed to encourage, uplift, educate, and equip people to proclaim the kingdom more deeply in their own families and communities. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Peachtree's podcast today. We're going to be listening to a snippet of a talk from Dr. Carolyn Weber, who came and visited us at our Reader's Writers Day recently. And uh, I thought that this snippet of her talk would be a great taste of the type presentation she gave us and possibly will attract you to come when we hopefully book her to come again and speak about topics related to literature and good reading. She was a fantastic speaker and just a gloriously wonderful uh, person and a friend of everything we do and stand for. And uh, we thought you would enjoy and be blessed by this short clip today. So enjoy this preview of her talk. And when I got to Oxford, what was really interesting was, yes, it's a beautiful, magical place. Yes, I can see how it inspired Narnia (laughs) because you walk around and there's these beautiful buildings. And when you walk through the archways, though, you go into these gardens and individual colleges and it feels like you've walked through a wardrobe into a different world. But there's also, yes, people work hard. They read hard. But I was really shaped pedagogically by a few things. For one, they have this crazy notion that as a student, you shouldn't work. You should actually focus on your studies. (laughs) So the British Academy provides a lot uh, for students that way. You might work later, um, but your first year or two, for sure, you're getting sort of comfortable in your college and you're supposed to focus on your studies. What that did for someone like myself was I felt like a hummingbird that had hit the glass hard. You know, all of a sudden I wasn't working after school. I wasn't working in the mornings. I wasn't working late. You know, I wasn't racing to things. And there's a culture in which people are reading and thinking and talking. And then you go to the pub and you have a conversation. Every college has their own pub as well as library, which I think is interesting (laughs) combination. (laughs) Um, And I was also really taken aback and inspired and moved by the um, tutorial system which works on the premise that you have a very, very small group of of students together uh, that have a conversation with their professor, more of a conversation, debate, discussion um, around your ideas, the texts, materials, rather than just large lectures and anonymity. There are those as well, but they're meant to complement what you discussed together. So there were a couple of things that were a tremendously beautiful fallout from that. For one, you take complete responsibility for your work and ideas, not only in the written word, but also in, um, in person, <laughs> which I think also, especially in a culture of growing social media, is rarer and rarer because we can hide behind things and not take any responsibility for what we have to say, um, which is why I so agree with Dorothy Sayers when she said, you know, Jesus played the man. He actually came and participated in our lives um, and, and lived all of that as a person as well. So there's an ethos there. But also... There's personal relationship developed with your supervisor and your professors. They, this is not to over-idealize, but for the most part, they really care about you, right? They've, they've selected you to be a small group that they're going to mentor. Um, I had the blessing of have a few that were Christians, but they were savvy, so I didn't always know it at the time. Um, but there was also an emphasis on having relationship, having students over for dinner, having um, going for walks, having there was a lot of um, community. And where I teach now at New College Franklin, we try to base it on that sort of tutorial system so that um, 
there's spiritual formation that's not heavy-handed, but more of a mentorship and coming along side. So in many ways, you you are not lonely. Um, now, I had tremendous homesickness at first, but you're not lonely. You're, you're cared for, and you're drawn into relationship, and somebody is caring for you, but also feeding your mind and feeding your soul. And there's even song that you go to, and there's dinner that you have together in the college, and um, so there's, there's a sense of, of community. But when I had arrived at Oxford, I didn't plan on, um, <laughs> I didn't plan on actually finding God there. <laughs> As I said, I, I thought I was going to go and, um, become this academic and focus on my studies. And I was actually doing research at the time on multiple religions for my MPhil, degree on worldwide religions. And I ended up um, studying and reading more about Christianity. And I was introduced particularly to some Christian friends and Christians from around the world. Uh, So it was really fascinating to meet people who believed in the same essential God, the same mere Christianity from all over the world and different cultures, uh, and um, who were articulate and walked their walk and were um, kind and and asked me questions. Um, I had never been asked a question like, who is God to you before? I think it's really easy in our culture to assume that we know who Jesus is or what Christianity is, or to assume that you know people have given this any thought. And, and a lot of times people just haven't been asked. Or they, have, they are not very convinced that um, Christianity would be relevant to them in any way, or faith would be relevant to them in any way. I ended up being introduced to C.S. Lewis, and particularly I was taken myself, um, kicking and screaming essentially, to a C.S. Lewis meeting, because I thought it was going to be like an eye roll. And um, I have 15-year-old twin boys, so everything's an eye roll right now. <laughs> and, uh, and I was really actually shaken by it. <laughs> and again, I was shaken by the message um, that I heard. It was a talk based on Lewis's notion of sensucht, longing, the longing of the soul, homesickness of the soul, for something that we can't quite put words to, but the joy that we experience in things, even in grief and loss, remind us of the joy we've been made for. That was hugely inconvenient. (laughs) Hearing that, right? The gospel's always inconvenient, um, but we can't unhear it. And I remember walking back to my college on cobblestone streets with these annoying Christian friends that continue to ask you questions because they care. It's just so annoying. And those things kind of filtering down. But I was also moved by the hospitality. I was moved that there was coffee and biscuits and tea and, and people cared about all sorts of hunger. And they cared about all sorts of thirst. And... So what Oxford did for me was actually open a sense of um, our common humanity in, in wanting to know where we're from, what our purpose is, what our telos is. Not just the things that we do and check off a list and how we're busy, because I think busyness is a great opiate and can be a measure for how we think we might be important, but actually for a sense of what, what are we made for And if it is, indeed, to glorify God and enjoy him forever, that changes everything. Right? It's not something that we can achieve. It's something we have been made to do um, just by being 
us and being beloved. And yeah, so this discovery of this was really annoying, though, <laughs> because I came from a largely unbelieving background, unbelieving friends. I had um, an atheist fiancé at the time, but I digress. So all of those things had to sort of <laughs> work themselves out. But um, it really made me think, why read? Why are we reading? Why does the Lord come to us as a baby and a book? <laughs> right? Kind of obvious why baby, because they're amazing and adorable and precious and humble, and there's so many things tied up in that, um, and the incarnation. But then also why as a book? And I was um, moved by, of course, reading On the Incarnation by St. Nathanius, by and Lewis writes in his preface to it, um, <clears throat> really famously, that uh, it is a good rule, after reading a new book, never to allow yourself another new one till you have read an old one in between. Right? That famous rule. So if it is a good rule, after reading a new book, never to allow yourself another new one till you have read an old one in between. Um, and I didn't find it too hard to read old ones because my area of interest was 18th and 19th century. Um, and we had to hearken back to antecedents and precedents as well. So I was used to reading Old English and, and Milton and, and whatnot. But um, what I love about Lewis is he says that those are things that are worth reading because we understand our humanity better across the ages. Uh, and so it's worth the battle. But now, especially as a homeschooling mom of teenage boys, I appreciate his caveat if that is too much for you, you should at least read one old one to every three new ones. <laughs> and the three to one ratio works quite well, <laughs> right? That you can, um, you know, slip in Milton or Shakespeare or Allegory of the Cave or something like that in between 1984 and whatever else, right? They are in conversation with each other. So I loved how, as well, reading literature, and especially reading um, at Oxford. They call it reading, not studying. They ask you what you're reading, which I think is really telling. Um, really opened my eyes to that, there, that it's a long conversation of the history of ideas, and we all have a part. We all have a voice. And what we think is each and important, and how we might write or contribute or answer back is, is important to that human conversation. So, as he writes a little later in the preface, every age has its own outlook. It is especially good at seeing certain truths and especially liable to make certain mistakes. We all, therefore, need the books that will correct the characteristic mistakes of our own period. And that means the old books, right? We can look to what they can teach us, the old things. I've also been a caregiver for both of my parents. Um, my elder parents, before my father died, I cared for him for some time and then cared for my mom as well. And I grew up on the stories of my grandmother, um, all the old stories from Hungary, climbing into her bed and listening to the stories. We underestimate the old. We hope you were blessed by listening to a little bit of Dr. Carolyn Weber's talk recently at Peachtree. She was a great friend to us and a, a huge encouragement to those who came. We hope that you'll come next time that she comes. We're looking forward to booking that soon. In the meantime, there are quite a few events coming up at Peachtree. You should check out our website, our Facebook and Instagram pages, and your emails if you're on our list, because there is a 
quite a plethora of events coming up related to all things fine arts and creativity. So stay tuned and check your emails and check those posts for more information. And thank you for visiting us today. Thank you so much for joining us today. To support this podcast, please go follow us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're interested in knowing more about the work of Peachtree, please go visit our website at peachtreelearningcenter.com for more information.